When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for taking the time to download this podcast, this episode of the Manchester Football Social. On the show today, myself, Ant McGinley, Alex Boardman and uh, Niall. I, I always forget your surname because I'm worried I'm going to say it wrong. Uh, it's McCorn. It's Mac- a really weird looking name. But that's fair. the thing because it's really easy to say but hard to spell. <laughs> yeah, it's a confusing one, that's uh, for sure. That's Niall who's too big for his boots now. We'll find <laughs> out why that is in a minute. And then uh, we're going to do some extra stuff at the podcast, play a game. Didn't have enough time to do it all, so we're going to play some more with Niall after the show. Anyway, uh, this is the episode. Thanks for taking the time. Enjoy it. Manchester Football Social. Good evening. Here we are. It's Sunday. I'm Ant McGinley. This is the Manchester Football Social. You get it from Sunday to Friday between 6 and 7. I'm a City fan. With me in the studio is a United fan. Yeah, I'm Alex Boardman. Hello. And these are the headline results affecting local teams from this weekend's FA Cup fixtures. United won 3-1 away at Arsenal. City beat Burnley at home 5-0. Sadly, both Oldham and Bolton lost their games away 2-1. Bolton to Bristol and Oldham to Doncaster. So just United and City from the local area left in the FA Cup. If you want to get in touch with us, 0345 7625 is the number to call, or you can find us on your social media, at MCR Footy Social. Uh, people are saying that Jesus is back on form. Uh, Colin's on the line, he's a City fan. What are you saying, Colin? Hiya, guys, you OK? Hiya, Carl. Hi, Alex, mate, how are you doing? We're good, thanks, pal. What do you think about Jesus? Do you think he is back? I've heard a lot of noise about that on Twitter. I feel he's definitely turned a corner and I think uh, the whole cliche of goals, goals create confidence, don't they? So I was one of his one of his critics not long ago saying he's not good enough for this city side. Uh, but then suddenly game against Rotherham and obviously he's bagged quite a few goals but, and he's given that kind of confidence. So yesterday he had a, he had a cracker of a game um, in what could have been a tough game but I don't think Burnley give it their all. So, uh, but yeah, you, you, you only can score against who's in front of you, I guess. Exactly, and a cup tie is one of those things normally you'd think anything can happen and I was, I didn't watch that because I'd, I'd got half an eye on it and I knew it was coming I had something to do and then before I looked, it was like, before long it was 2-0 up and I thought, oh that's the last thing I want to watch, City winning. I was hoping no, I it'd really... still be 0-0 for the second half and I could, you know, enjoy a, a, a victory for Burnley. A... Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was, the first half was awful and I, I, I was there and just it was it, it was just dull. Everything, even though there was there was one goal in it, but there was the most exciting part of the first half when the corner flag broke. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that. And if you've not seen this, uh, we'll, we'll retweet the clip out of it. Actually, I'll get Niall to do that for us. And uh, basically, Carl Walker's running down uh, to whip a crossing, and the ball's coming right to the line. And as he whips a crossing, he just goes for the ball, and the corner flag gets in the way. And that was like a big stoppage in the match where the referee just look like me when I'm trying to fix something that's broken at home. It's just there, just trying to fit it in, fit it in. And they had to wait for some... Did they, did they get a new flag from the crowd or backstage or what did no, they do? We had, a, we, had a, we did have a, we had a substitute corner flag ready to go. <laughs> did oh, they have to hold the numbers up and bring it on and bring it off? 
<laughs> it got a big cheer as they were running over the whole. But yeah, first half that was probably the most exciting part. But I think that's the beauty of Pep as well. He kind of every game serious to him. So if the players don't put an effort in, you can tell at half time he's give, he gives them the roast in and just and he goes out and then. I mean, you look at the lineup as well. To, to go three or four nil up, and then you bring on David Silver and Sergio Aguero. Yeah, yeah, that probably helps, scary. doesn't it? Do you think? Because I'm not a City fan, obviously, and this is just off the top of my head. But the last few games I can remember City being involved in, you've got a five nil against Burnley. You've got the two Burton Albion games that were, you know, the second one was over. Uh, yeah. The first one was a nine nil. Um, yeah. There was a Huddersfield victory that I think was the one that got everybody back on track, wasn't it? Was the one, three so, yeah. It just feels like you've not really, since that Liverpool game, it's like all the games you've had have been a bit of a stroll in the park. Do you know what I mean? It's like, are you, yeah. are you actually back to playing like you were before you had the blip? Or is it just that you've not really been tested since the... Obviously, the Liverpool game was a massive test that they came through. What do you think? I think, do you know what, what's, what's weird in the Premier League is, apart from Liverpool, um, and before Solskjaer took over at United, there was, everyone's really Jekyll and Hyde at the top. You look at Tottenham now without Kane and Ali, and, they, and, and they're struggling through. You don't know which Arsenal and Chelsea are going to show up. No, so true. I think it's almost, like, it's, it's almost like people are coming to City with the, oh, we're going to get beat, so let's not risk players here and, and, and crack on to the next game. So I think the big test will actually be, I've been saying to a lot of friends, I think the, Man United have got to play both. Liverpool and City. I think that that could be the game that they, they determine where the title's going this yeah, year. Yeah, it really could actually. We're going to look at that in the second part of the show, some of the upcoming fixtures, but that is a... I, I, am, I am, have a big say. I am worried about this because at the at the derby, so I took Alex to the derby at the Etihad last year and... Um, it, it was, was awful. It was, I mean, it was awful even from a... I mean, it was nice, obviously. It's always nice beating the Reds. But from mm. my point of view, it felt a bit like... We were just bullying people that weren't as good as us. And now, I'm, I'm having watched United over these last couple of weeks, being forced to with him a little bit, I'm actually yeah. a little bit nervous about going to face United. And one of the things that's changed, people are calling and they say, the atmosphere's back, the atmosphere's back. So I'm a little bit worried when you're saying about the, the atmosphere not being so great at City yesterday. Yeah. Well, I, th I think um, I noticed myself that once we hit, we hit the third goal, people just started leaving. <laughs> and I don't know whether that's like, a, a, like this horrible arrogance of the new age City fan or, or not, but I, I always have issues with people leaving until the final whistle anyway. But to go 3 and up with a good 20 minutes to go, whatever it was, and, and see people going home, it's just, it's, you know, it's... I, it's I just don't know. I don't know what to make of it. No. Obviously, to move forward, if we are to be treated seriously as you know Champions League contenders and being one of the best teams in the world, we have to create these, these kind of atmospheres. And all these, I know all the banners there about the empty had and stuff, but there's no smoke without fire, is there? We, we still need to, to grow the fan base and, and get that atmosphere. Uh, cracking every game. I mean, uh, you can forgive people for having that expectation because we've still got a game left in January, but already this month we've tucked away 30 goals. Right, which is pretty 10 against yeah. Burton Albion. But 10. Still, that's <laughs> Fulham have only scored 11 all season. Yeah, I think Huddersfield scored 12, <laughs> haven't they? Yeah, 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 Huddersfield 12. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Right. I, d I don't know. To be and to go back to your earlier point, Cole, that is a problem at Old Trafford and probably maybe Anfield as well. But at United, ten minutes to go, it, the place just empties because I mean it's hard to park. It's hard for people to get out. There's no extra trains like there used to be. The trams back the way I go. There's like one. That's it. 
Mr. Boardman, your prawn sandwich is here. Well, that's not me. I stay to the end. I stay to the end. I don't, but I've got very little to do. <laughs> you know, in my life, that's... I don't, I don't know. I think it's a problem with football in general. But I think it's changed. I think life has changed as well. Because I remember when I when I used to go to Main Road, being on the Kipax, and it'd be a three o'clock kickoff, but I'd be there on the Kipax at like 20 past one. Yeah. You know, easily, sometimes even before that. And that was part... And you're already there, you're already singing even before the players have come out. And it's just, it's part of the atmosphere that builds. And I, it doesn't feel like that, that happens so much anymore. I mean, we've got this, the, the, the fan experience outside, so you can have your drinks and everything outside and get a yeah. pint before you go in. But does that, does that mean we're encouraged to be outside more than we're inside? Does that take away from yeah, but, uh, I think there's an argument as well. I heard a few people say, you know, the, that, that, that loyal fan base from Main Road where the atmosphere is fantastic is still there. But they've just put us in a 55,000-seater stadium. And because we've grown so so quick with the money and the players and the football's fantastic and the success is great, but that fan base is still is still growing. And, and it, it, it's become a, glo- it's a global thing. You look at United's success and around the world, they will always fill their stadium because of... They've grown that over time. I think City, obviously we've had the t- 10 years of the takeover, so the football's there now, and it's, I think the, the, slowly the, the fan base is, is, still, is still growing. Yeah. I, think, I think the fan base has already been there the whole time. Colin, thanks very much for giving us a call. Cheers, guys. Thank Brilliant. You thanks, Colin. All right, mate. See and you just, later. <laughs> see ya. Just to pick up on something we were actually saying there, City against Burnley this season. Uh, they've played them twice, and they've beaten 5-0 both times, once in the league and once in the cup. So they're 10-0 against, not just Burton Albion, they're 10-0 against Burnley. Are you, are you saying that's a bad thing? Well, no. No, I'm just saying it's, I don't think it's as competitive a league as we're always led to believe it is. It's the greatest league in the world. And you're like, is it? Is yeah. it really? Can any more than about two or three teams ever win the league in any can, season? Can, should we talk about United for a minute? Because no, what, that would be interesting because they were fantastic on Friday night. Absolutely brilliant. Now, here, here's uh, uh, two things I want to say. First of all, and they're both financially related. All right, so okay. before we talk about the game. First thing is, United have been knocked off the top spot. They've been on the perch of being the biggest earners in foot- world football. Right. Real Madrid have gone up to number one now. So they, you, Yeah, that's, they seem to swap those two for whoever yeah, makes the most money. I think, I think United have dropped down a few places now and there's not as many English clubs in the... Whatever, right. Okay. So that's the, that's the first thing. Second thing is... Um, <laughs> so I... Um, I occasionally like a little bit of a, a little bit of a flutter, right? And, and you know, just a couple of quid here and there. And... Um, I haven't had much luck this season at all. In fact, every bet I've put on City have either got the wrong score, wrong result, wrong score or whatever. I haven't won a dime. And I just had a feeling on Friday night. So this this is kind of like a really difficult confession to make as a City fan. But I won a bit of money on United on Friday night. Good. Put your, put your house on it. <laughs> so but this is the thing. It just felt right. And it felt like it was good. And, and what I see happening at United is that there is this great team thing. And ever since the World Cup, there just is, seems to be a thing around that. Maybe it's always been there, but more than ever, if you're playing well as a team, if you're playing for each other, if you're playing for the manager, you're going to go far. It worked well for England in the World Cup, worked well for other teams like Croatia in the World Cup. But I think this season, the teams that are going far are doing that. And the case in point is United, because such a transformation from under Mourinho, where the people were blamed and picked out, was mm. to now, you saw this wonderful thing where uh, before the game, they're the dancing around. The, yeah, the Rashford, little, they were doing like a little circle of passing. Yeah, yeah. And Rashford nutmegged uh, Fred 
like with the audacious piece of skill and then they're all falling over laughing and everyone's hugging and stuff and yeah and that's before a big cup game that's before the game yeah. after the game Solskjaer's joking on TV on, on BBC TV with Luke Shaw he's walking past and he's just like calling him over and having a laugh with him live on camera hey, and he was having a laugh in the game as well when he brought on Phil Jones <laughs> yeah I mean <laughs> that's just that is comedy that is comedy so but let, it, let's talk about the game then it feels to me exactly what you've just said about a, they are a team again and when United were always great under Ferguson sometimes you know we had Ronaldo at one point he was easily the best player in the league and he's gone on to be one of the best players ever um, but there were other times I, I seem to remember Arsenal had Thierry Henry and he was like if you had him in fantasy football as your captain you know he'd get you 30 points a week he was just doing everything on his own but they didn't win everything Arsenal United won it with 11 actually 13 or 14 really good players and they never really had weak areas of the team and, and it feels suddenly even that that defence is not perfect we all know but they're fighting for each other and they they want every single ball and it, it seems like teams are a bit not used to facing that. You know, when you talk about Liverpool and City pressing, United are doing it exactly the same now. And key to it all is Jesse Wingard, who played against Arsenal, one of the best performances I've seen in a long time. That finish looked really simple yeah. when, when, I, when I was watching it live. But then when you watch the replay, because there's a bobble just before it as well, it's actually a very, very good finish from him. Yeah, because he uses the player on his left as a yeah. dummy. And he's like, he's going to pass, he's going to pass. And then he just he just sticks it away beautifully. But, but the thing is about Lingard, right? I, I, I think he's a very good footballer. I think he's been great for England as well. I, I'm starting to have a little bit of an issue with his personality off the pitch. That's Not because right. you're old. What? That's because you're old and I'm past it and out of date. I, but I, you're older than me. <laughs> yeah, but I'm I'm still with it. <laughs> <laughs> but like, he just seems to antagonise people. And, and that's brilliant. That's exactly what you want one of your players to do. So does Herrera, and well, I love it. He nearly got himself sent off on Friday. Good. And, um, to be honest, the fir- he was right to kick off with the referee because that first shower was absolutely nonsense. It was a it was a nothing, absolutely nothing, and he 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 reacted badly from from a terrible decision and then he just went in to protect Rashford for the second one because they were you know they they grabbed Rashford and Rashford sort of pushed the Arsenal left back next time you look Jesse Lingard's in there like five stone wet through pushing people out of the way and then having a bit with the fans absolutely love that and then when you to score a goal like that great assist from Lukaku 2-0 up against Arsenal away in the space of three minutes. Just brilliant, brilliant play. Then to moonwalk in front of the Arsenal fans and to turn around and give it the full Michael Jackson. That's what football is all about. That's wonderful. I can't do that in socks. How has he done that with studs on? Yeah, <laughs> again, because he's five stone way through. That's why. <laughs> so there, there was a bit of an incident towards the end and they, they, they took him off before he got himself sent yeah. off. It looked like something was thrown from the crowd as well. Pine coin, I think. Some argy-bargy was going in between different players coming in. It was all kicking off. Yeah. Um, do you think he's just like, he, he's just got a face that some people just want to slap? Yeah, well, you, there were, you all know kids like that at school. There, were, there was always a Jesse Wingard at school. He was really irritating and really annoying. But if he also played football and he was on your team, he was one of those people that wound everyone up and they're great to play. Wingard must be a dream to play with because the amount of space he creates, he never stops running. And, I mean, even if that had been Phil Jones squaring up to the Arsenal left back, you have to expect Wingard to come in and shove Jones out of the way going, I've got this. Do you know what I mean? I don't know who he thinks he is, but he's hilarious. And speaking of uh, big, big guys you won't mind having with you in a brawl, um, Lukaku 
was amazing. He was outstanding. I think he got man of the match as he, well. He did get man of the match, which I didn't fully agree with. And he he did his role really, really well. But um, And he he played a beautiful ball for Sanchez. And he played a great ball across for Lingard. And, yeah. and that's the thing. That comes back to what I was saying about being a team. Because that's the best I've seen him play since Belgium in the World Cup. Yeah. And it was because he was playing for the team as part of the team. And he was... Uh, letting other people take the chance, take the glory, setting up. That was a great through ball for Sanchez. Brilliant. And also a great one for Lingard when yeah. he could have tried to beat the player and cut And then, of course, himself. tactically from everyone's accusing, you know, saying, well, Gunnar's done all right, but, you know, tactically, is he that good? Well, 75, 76 minutes into the game, he brings them both off and brings on, what, the two fastest players yeah. you've got on the Rashford squad? Rashford and Martial. Yeah. And this, there was something I've seen on Twitter as well, which is the 08 goal... Uh, where Ronaldo, Rooney and Park break away at Arsenal. Um, I think it's the semi-final of, it's the quarter of the semi-final of the Champions League. And the side-by-side, side, they put it with when Pogba breaks right through the middle. He's got two players either side of him. Pogba this time shoots, Martial slots it away. And it's the, about the same time, eight, nine seconds from being in your own half to, to the goal going in. And the comparisons are so, it's such an, and it's the same goal, basically. It's, re it's really interesting to look at. I think there is that really good vibe that's brought it back. We talked a little bit about on the show last week about how much of being a manager is actually just managing people and making sure that they're happy and doing well. But mm. if if that's all he's doing, he's doing really... People said, he reminds me of Leicester. It reminds me yeah, of that, what happened yeah. that season because people say, well, they've done all right, but they're not going to go this far. And a few weeks we were going, well, they're still going to play Spurs, right? And they're still going to get Arsenal in the cup. They've done both those. They've won those. People are still saying it's a little premature to put Ollie in the job, but you as a died-in-the-world United fan... Well, at the minute, I'm not seeing... Well, Pochettino's supposedly favourite, and just to move on to Tottenham, um, 15 minutes ago now, they were dumped out of the FA Cup 2-0 by Crystal Palace. They're now nine points off the top of the table, nine points away from Liverpool. They were only about... They were in second at one point when City went through their bad spell. They're out of the Carabao Carabao. That was Cup. on Thursday. Yeah. yeah. That's both in the same week. You've got no Kane, you've got no Ali, and Lorente is, you know, no backup, it would seem. Sonny's coming back, who is a really good player. But, I mean, Pochettino's had a nightmare couple of weeks since, since basically United went to Wembley and beat them 1-0. It's been a nightmare for him. So, would you, on current form, would you go, oh yeah, we want Pochettino over Solskjaer? It's, Pochettino's last four games, I think he's lost three of them. Is it still just between those two, though? Because at one stage, Zidane was talking about yeah. other people. I mean, who knows? Who knows? You don't know anything, do you? We don't know absolutely anything. But every week, with every performance, even if we'd have drawn at Arsenal, playing like that, or even if we'd have lost, it's such an improvement on the dross we've had for the last five mm. years. So with every game, it's like Solskjaer goes up another 5%, 10%. I mean, I've got, I, my brain goes out of my head at times and now my heart's just gone like that. Solskjaer sign him up for a 10 year contract we don't even need to buy another defender it's just obviously the problems are all still there but the thing is things seem to be falling in your favour because when's the PSG game? Paris Saint-Germain is on the 12th all right, so um, two weeks away. Two weeks away. Neymar looks like he's going to miss that one. Yep, Neymar went off with an ankle injury, which I think they're looking at it as his fifth metatarsal, which is the bone in your foot that Beckham famously broke. Yeah. Um, and it's what kept him out 
uh, about 18 months ago when he had his last injury. So, you know, all the signs are he won't make that first game. Have you ever broken your metatarsal? No. I have. You can do it. You can do it just getting out of bed, can't you? Yeah. It's like well, a the thing tiny is, little... Yeah, so, so basically, it's like, you know, in, in your hand now, it's like the back of your palm... The, the bones that go from your wrist to your knuckles, those are the, effectively the same as your metatarsals. And you can sometimes get a stress fracture just from carrying something yeah. too heavy or whatever. And so I went, I went and they said, oh, you've broken your metatarsal because we're getting real pain in my foot. And I went, oh, great. So do I get one of those big boots and everything like Becca? Matt? No, you just, just walk it off. <laughs> yeah. It's like your foot's not worth 60 million. Yeah, back okay. the, get back to work. Didn't Bert Troutman break his neck in an FA Cup final once, the City player, and yeah. he played on? But we were made of stronger stuff back then, weren't yeah. we? Yeah. Anyway, right, we're going to talk uh, more about United and Arsenal in a little while. And also, we're going to talk about managers and a little superstar that works on this show as well. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. Manchester Football Social. It is the Manchester Football Social. Alex Boardman, United supporter in the house. Yes, hi, and you're um, McGinley, and I know that because it says McGinley on the back of your Manchester City shirt. Of course it does. Despite you being a fully grown man, what's going on? <laughs> if you want to get in touch with us and uh, give your views on anything that we're talking about today, uh, the number to call 03451 Yes, FA Cup headlines from this week. Both United and City went through. Sadly, Oldham and Bolton are now out. So just United and City yeah. from the local area still into the next round and both of them could have really done with a good run as well I mean they did alright to get to this stage but still pity for Oldham because he went down to London 1-2-1 away looked like it was going to be great you know still no manager there what's going to happen see people always talk about the magic of the cup they don't talk about the bitterness of it yeah when you, well. beat, when you get beat when you get beat so as they want to get in touch with us 0345 the number to call or you can get us on social media at MCR Footy Social we were just talking then about uh, Manchester United. They won at Arsenal on Friday. And I was talking about Jesse Lingard, how good a player he is, but how much he annoys people. Not me. <laughs> and I'm thinking, if he annoys me, as a City fan just watching it on the telly, he must have really annoyed Matt, who's an Arsenal fan. How are you doing, Matt? Hello. Ah, there he is, Matt. I thought we'd lost you. How are you? I'm alright, thanks, Sam. Greetings, uh, greetings from North London, how are you? <laughs> very very well. Greetings to you as well. Uh, were you uh, annoyed by Lingard's antics on Friday night? Mm, I don't, it doesn't really bother me that much, to be honest, Sam. I'm more annoyed with my own team, really. If you're an Arsenal fan watching that, he's, he, Jesse Lingard is annoying. I'll grant you that. <laughs> oh, I love <laughs> it, man. I love it. That's, that's a t-shirt. <laughs> Pinocchio, whatever his name is, but he's annoying, but... <laughs> I'm more annoyed with my own team and the people who run Arsenal Football Club. You know, you can, he does his little dance. That's all, that's all part of the theatre of football. I don't really have a massive problem with that. It's all right. Our players have done that over the years. And when, you, when, when your players do it, it's okay. So, I can under, it is annoying though. <laughs> so, so, how are you? Because obviously, last season, last year, all the Arsenal fans were talking about was Wenger in, Wenger out. Uh, whichever mm. camp you're in, things seem to be going in a positive direction with Emery coming in. You had that run of like 22 games unbeaten, which mm. was really good, some good results under your belt. Um, a bit of a leaky defence, not great first halves. Mm. Um, but you've just gone out of another competition. 
How are you feeling? Yeah, and I think that I think I think it's bitter actually because I think you know you, losing league games is not a bitter pill to swallow because we're not going to win the league. You know, we're not going to win the Champions League. We're not even in the Champions League. You know, the FA Cup and the League Cup represents trophies that we could actually win. So going out the FA Cup um, against Manchester United on Friday, I think that's the worst result of the season for us. But I think you, you could have predicted that United are better than we are. If you look at them player for player, you, t- you, t- you take their top players and put them against ours. You know, we, you know, they're a better team than we are. They've invested in their uh, in their squad. We haven't done. Uh, you know, you, we've, if you look at us, I'd say we've got Lacazette, Toyota um, in midfield, and a Bamiang. And I think if you look beyond that, it's pretty. It's a pretty average team, isn't it? So I don't think it's, it's not a great shock that Manchester United can beat us. I did expect that, but I think I think for us, it is the worst result of the season because FA Cup represents a trophy that we can win or we could have won. Yeah, the the left back is he called Koisinach? Kalasinac, yeah, yeah, he's he's been brilliant. He's been absolutely brilliant fancy football for me all season because he does score a lot and he really gets forward. Were you surprised at just how much Rim Lukaku found though playing up against him? And that's something that surely Wenger would have stopped within about the first five or ten minutes. I don't think Wenger would have stopped that. I mean, I think if you look at the Arsenal team now, I mean, it, it, I don't think anyone's shocked by the, the shock in defending that we saw on Friday. That's what the, that's what Arsenal have been like for many years now. That's exactly how it was under Wenger in the last few years. I mean, Arsenal have not defended well since 2006. That's the last time Arsenal went in that Champions League run. We got to the European Cup final, or sorry, Champions League Cup uh, final. And we, we didn't concede a goal. That's the last time, really, that Arsenal have a, had a really strong defence. We've not defended well for 12, 13 years. So what you what you saw on Friday, that's just, that's what you expect. We'd have been shocked. If, we, if we'd have played well in defence and we'd have counted United out, everyone would have been shocked. That, that would have been shocking. And yeah, I had a bit of a blow in defence as well when uh, Koscielny, I think it was, got a back heel in the <clears> face <throat> or around the yeah. draw line from uh, Lukaku, which I don't think many people would have... Uh, uh, would have, would It'd be have like being kicked of... by a horse, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, he was injured, wasn't he? He was, yeah, he was hurt. He was down for the best part of ten minutes, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, and we had to, and before that, we've had Socrates come off. He, you know, he's one of our better defenders. And then Mustafi comes on. The minute Mustafi comes on, the defence just goes into chaos. Yeah. Well, so we've we got problems there, but we don't invest. We don't, we've got an owner who doesn't care. He does not. You know, he he cares about the LA Rams out there in the NFL and the LA Rams his NFL team are doing fantastic right now he does not care about Arsenal and Arsenal fans you know when you look at the Wenger thing that was very split very much split the fan base people like me thought his time was up but there's people who still believed in him you look at the guy running the club right now Stan Kroenke it doesn't really split Arsenal fans I think universally he, he, we don't want him there but how do we get this guy out? Mm. Yeah, we're in a very similar position at United with the Glazers. Just yeah. maybe something with the American owners. I think the the model of an American sports owner is they have several businesses. They just milk it dry. Yes. You don't win anything, and there's never like a big legacy in American sport. It seems That's even right. even the best teams only win stuff for a, a couple of years, and then they might not go to another Super Bowl for twenty years. Obviously, Patriots notwithstanding. That's and also, if you look at something like the Rams, the Rams, one of the reasons the Rams are a very good team now is because they've been so bad for many years. Now, in the NFL, um, and I think it's true in other American sports. Yeah, basketball's the same. Yeah. You're going to talk bad, about picks. 
yeah, you get the picks. You get the picks of the best college players. So if you look at some of, um, I think their quarterback, Jared Goff, was one of the, he's an excellent quarterback. He's doing fantastic for the Yellow Rams. I think he was one of the top picks, or if not the top pick. Um, so, the, you know, the, the Yellow Rams, one of the reasons they're good now is that they've been, if you're bad for a number of years, you get so many good players uh, in that time. And it's one of the reasons, you know, our football does not work like that, does it? No, no, it's well. You need no, success yeah. to build more. So that's why City have been so good since the whole nonsense when they took Tevez from United and it, that just felt a bit bit petty and a bit silly. Yeah. But yeah. each year they've improved the team. They've got a couple of players and they've got three or four players. And the inf- infrastructure as well. The inf- it, it's just yeah. all been designed to create this team that's going to win and it's going to win and it's going to win. And Liverpool are the only ones who've really copied that. Or when they went out yeah. last, some, last winter and bought Van Dyke because they just knew they were short then. This summer they got a goalkeeper and suddenly you're like, well, they've got a great team now and everybody else is not. Yeah. Everybody else is, United is still a little bit in the past with their recruitment. You know, they'll still keep right backs and left backs that have been at the club for 15 years and are way past the best. And it's, I don't know, Arsenal feel like they're the same way. Tottenham obviously got a new stadium. They've not reinvested. No, they're not. Spurs are very similar to Arsenal in that. If you look at the way their transfer system is, and you know they've got the new stadium now, and they're very tight with their, they're not spending anything. They've not bought anyone, and that's similar to what we were like um, in the early years of the, M- the Emirates. But I mean, we're, we're way beyond that now, and we still don't spend any money. You know that that stadium is bought and paid for. You know, that, I mean, there's no stadium debt no more. Um, and you think, you know, if you look at Arsenal before the Emirates, we've been a very successful football team. You know, we were winning titles and FA Cups and stuff like that. It's competing in the Champions League. The last of the season at Highbury, 2006, we got to the Champions League final. You look at Arsenal since we left the Emirates and the whole point of leaving, sorry, left Highbury, the whole point of leaving Highbury to the new stadium was to compete on a higher level. We've been, we've been appalling. We've, we've, we've gone mm-hmm. downwards. I mean, we just stagnated right now. What you see with Arsenal right now is probably what you're going to get for a number of years now. We're just going to kind of linger around that kind of fifth and sixth position because the owner, he's, you know, I can't see him changing. I mean, you, you guys are not happy with the, the Glazers. We're not happy with um, Cronky. They're not great owners, the Americans. No. Not the people you want. You know, I, I, if you, from what my understanding is that the Glazers have taken quite a bit of money out of Manchester United. Yeah, they've put uh, hundreds and hundreds of millions of pounds worth of debt. That's how yes. they've financed everything they've done, basically. But yeah. um, one yeah. other question. We had a City fan on Colin at the beginning of the show. He was bemoaning the fact that um, the atmosphere wasn't great. Um, again, at the Emirates, I think it's the most expensive tickets in the league, isn't it, firstly? And you didn't manage to sell all the tickets in your home end. So it was like the United had a reduced capacity and it wasn't a sellout, was it? Is that simply to do with the fact that you know a lot of Arsenal fans are just fed up or is it money I mean I didn't go I didn't go and um, I, I, I consider myself someone who over the years has been a real hardcore supporter a real passionate supporter but I think there's so many Arsenal fans everyone kind of mocks Arsenal fans in the last uh, decade or two well that fan TV doesn't help you does it to be fair <laughs> they, they are awful those people the, the, who, sorry? The f- Arsenal fan TV. I mean, it's funny to laugh at them, but, you know, if you had to <laughs> yeah. stand next to one of them at a game or sit next to one of them, you'd well, be... Yeah, but they're not the worst among them. The thing, if you look at, I mean, the fact the fan base has changed. I mean, people who who went to Arsenal uh, back in the nineties um, and eighties, they, 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 the crowd is completely different. They have a real good, passionate fan base over Arsenal. When you look at old videos of the crowd and how people used to celebrate and the, the songs. I mean, Arsenal's there's so the real hardcore Arsenal fans don't go over to the Emirates. Hardly any, hardly anyone does. So 
I mean, what's happened is those, those people have been replaced by a more affluent fan base. You know, mm. you, can, you don't mind spending eighty pounds or spending eighty pounds to go and watch a football match. No chance. Is that how much it is? Because I think last season it was sixty sixty four for an away ticket at Arsenal. That's how yeah, much it was. That's a great day game. So I mean, I think I think Friday would have been cheaper prices because it was it was FA Cup. Um, but they they end up ostracising so many fans that it, yeah. it doesn't bother looking at the prices anymore. To be, to be honest, it doesn't bother going anymore. Um, but if you're looking at a, a, a grade A game, which is about uh, probably six games a season, a great come under grade A, you're looking at seventy five quid. I reckon. Um, around that, this is ridiculous, ridiculous price just to go and watch a football match. Um, so obviously, with that, you're going to get a different kind of fan. You're going to get you know, Arsenal's full of you know. You get that stadium there. Arsenal fans are good supporters, but then most of them don't even go to don't even go into the ground. I mean, if you when you look at the Arsenal fans that come to Old Trafford, they're a better style of type of fan. They get behind the team. But you look at that home crowd. It's, you know, you're looking at a very affluent fan base and a load of rich Chinese tourists and tourists from all over the world. You know, they're not going to they haven't they're not they're not made of the same. Stuff as the, as the old fans, you're not going to get a great atmosphere there. And I, I would yeah. imagine that United fan away fan base is better than the United. Yeah, massively, massively. Different. I, I, I'm a little bit aware that we're just all starting to sound like three old men down the pub, just going. It was so much better <laughs> no, than the old days. It was. No, no, I've got to correct you there because everyone says because you know, I've had the book that came out a few years ago, Theatre of Silence, Lost Soul of Football, and everyone. It's one of the things people criticise me about. Is uh, oh, you sound like an old man. So, no, I'm making the case for youth. I think what is being an old man is going to a football match sitting you know sitting down in silence and being grumpy That's I'm not advocating that I'm advocating youth and people getting behind the team and people enjoying themselves and actually being part being part of the spectacle rather than just sitting down and watching something it's it's, it's I know I'm moaning I'm having a good moan but it's my, my what I want is, is not to be a grumpy old man it's, it's, it's a little bit of flamboyancy a little bit of excitement back in the back in the stands do you know what I mean is the book still available on Amazon Matt it certainly is, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. The second, guest chapter from John Lydon. Theatre of Silence is the Theatre of Silence. is the book, yeah. Yeah. Right. Soul of football. Uh, thanks very much, Matt, and uh, look forward to your rest at uh, mid-table this season. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Matt. Oh, what was really interesting to me was Niles coming and joined <laughs> us. And as Matt was making his points then about younger fans, and it's the same at Old Trafford. That that is a very, very old crowd. Now you walk round, and there's lots of grey hair, and there's lots of people not singing and not joining in. And uh, Niall came in, just nodding and clapping, Matt, <laughs> going, "Yes, it is about getting young fans back into the ground." Yes. I, do, I think there's an element to it as well, though that. Um, that I think there is a, a clear generational divide between the old school fan and and the younger fan, and I, I, I suppose I kind of fit into the middle of that, having seen a bit of both. I, you know, yeah. when, when I grew up, when there wasn't too much um, internet stuff, and then I kind of grown up in the area where internet's just become massive. So now, I mean, what really gets me is the amount of people that leave early. And you were talking about it earlier on on the show, about the amount of people that leave the Etihad early. I'm sure it happens at Old Trafford. Oh, it's all the time. It's happen- really irritating. It, it really irritates me. Because it's just annoying because you sat down with nothing else and people, you're having to keep standing up and sitting down and standing up and people stand on your feet. And- I've never left a game early in my life. And uh, I remember, I'm a Portsmouth fan. You must have been. You must have been getting beat by Southampton 3-0 we, we, one we season. We were 3-0 down after 20 minutes away to Plymouth. And that's the closest <laughs> I've come to thinking, forget this, I'm going home. But I wonder if people added up the amount of minutes that they leave early, the amount of minutes that accumulates to a season, I reckon they're probably getting on for a, a first half of football. 
Yeah. Well, I, I never leave early because for one very good reason, throughout the 80s when I went with my granddad, we were stood on the Stratford end and because of the amount of stairs and he had arthritis, we left every single game five minutes early so he could be at the bottom of the steps when the final whistle went and we could set off to get the bus. But then you're still not leaving the game, you're still there for the final whistle. Yeah, but we're still in the stadium but we can't yeah. see the pitch because he's it used to take him about <laughs> six minutes to get down the stairs. So I will religiously never leave a game early now because it always used to annoy me. Do you reckon people leaving early? Do you think people will think twice about leaving the ground early if, if you figured it out and it it's like, well, actually, that's 50 quid's worth of a season yeah, ticket that you're wasting a year. Well, do you, do you know what? Just, I'd just shut the gates. The thing is, keep like... them in. <laughs> <laughs> keep it. Also, there is a thing as well about being like a real football fan. It winds me up. If your team's getting hammered, like the 5 1, um, yeah. City at United and stuff. Mm. So I was, um, my friend Mick, who phoned the station last week, he yeah. was at the game. He was at that game with his son. And I said to him, When did you leave? Was it like 3 0? Was it 4 0? And he went, No, because he'd got his son there. And his son kept saying, I don't want to watch tomorrow. I want to leave. And he's like, You sit here and yeah, you yeah. watch this because you'll remember it all your life. And it's awful. But you're also a fan. You're a supporter of this yeah. team. So you do not leave. You watch him and boo him off at the end or clap at whatever you want to do. But we're watching it and that's part of it and i can take anything that anybody throws at me right now for being a city fan about character all this building movie. yeah because the thing is we've been through it all we've been through it all and you don't have to have been a city fan that long to have been through it it's yeah. all character building because i mean if you, you don't get beat five nil once or twice in your lifetime then when you win five nil it doesn't mean as much and, and also let's face it this is this is the difference as well between like sort of older football there was always a chance if your team's three nil down that <clears throat> for instance, in the 80s, Norman Whiteside is going to kick off at some point and he's going <laughs> to knock someone out. So you don't want to miss that. And as well, some of the greatest games ever, possibly probably my favourite game ever watching City was away at Spurs, 3-0 down in the FA Cup, then Barton gets sent off, we're down to 10 men, no chance, and we come back and we score four goals somehow in the second half. And I remember mm. we just got a, a goalkeeper, we just signed a reserve goalkeeper and he was sat on the bench with uh, with Kevin Keegan. I can't remember, I think it was Icelandic, the guy, name escapes me now. And he lent over to Kevin and he went, does this happen every week? <laughs> 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 it's the Manchester Football Social. We're going to talk more about managers and we're also going to talk about uh, Portsmouth uh, because Niall's here and hey. he, he found himself on the... Uh, on the telly this week just for being a fan uh, we'll find out more about that next on the Manchester Football Social Manchester Football Social subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show Manchester Football Social Sunday evening thank you very much for joining us here on the Manchester Football Social you can get this Sunday to Friday between 6 and 7 right here on XS Jim, Statman, Dave and Steve McInerney are here uh, tomorrow. But right here with me in the studio now, we've got Alex Boardman, United fan, myself, Ant McGinley, City fan, and Niall, who's our phone guy, a producer, sports journalist, and also <laughs> two-timer, which we'll talk about in a moment. <laughs> yes, you're a two-timer. You've not been faithful to us. But before we do, in case you've uh, just turned the radio on, these are the headlines from the FA Cup over the weekend that affect local sides. Both Oldham and Bolton sadly are out, but United and City uh, both through comfortably, actually. Much more comfortably than you'd have thought. 
Yeah, so uh, we've got Niall in the studio, and you may have heard before, if you've been listening, uh, that Niall is a Pompey fan, and if you didn't know that, and you've been watching telly this weekend, you might have had it rammed home, because see if you recognise these dulcet tones. Portsmouth. <laughs> Pompey. A harbour and a city made from hard work. This place has been built and rebuilt, bruised and blitzed, but never broken. Uh, what you're hearing there is the start of football <laughs> focus <laughs> yesterday. Alexis Sanchez on the piano there yeah. underneath. <laughs> It's I a good job the lights in this studio are red, because my cheeks, otherwise... <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 ju I just love yeah. the start of it, though, the way you say this. Here we go. Portsmouth. <laughs> What's Portsmouth. that? People say? Where are you from? Portsmouth. <laughs> Portsmouth. <laughs> so, yeah, explain yourself why you were running away doing big showbiz stuff. Uh, well, they decided to, to film the show from Fratton Park on Saturday. Um, yesterday, Pompey played QPR in the FA Cup. We love the is, FA Cup. That's a bit of a distance from Manchester. Though, it is a it? bit of a distance from Manchester. But they gave me a call and said, do you want to do uh, the opening VT? Um, we're going to try and go through the, the history of Pompey over the last... 120 years, how, and I said, how, yeah. How do you, yeah, when, when it's your club, how do you answer, would, yes, yes. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Wow. But do you know what? I was having this discussion, and I know United fans over the last 20 years have had it. They've been winning Premier Leagues, winning FA Cups, League Cups, Europa League, and then, of course, two Champions Leagues in the last 20 years. And it gets my back up a bit. Not You not so much, Alex, because you've seen it so often, but a, a lot of the United fans my age coming up to me and saying, oh, we've had such a tough five yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Such a tough five years. Come on. We've had relegations, administrations. Bankruptcy, nearly got, we, yeah. We nearly went out of business. There was nearly no Pompey. And I've got United fans coming up to me saying, oh, no, we've had Jose Mourinho as our manager for the last two seasons. Oh, come on, get a grip, seriously. But yeah. there we go. Even That's disastrous last season at Old Trafford was a... Second in the FA Cup and second in the league. I mean, it's not good enough. You're right, Niall. It's, it's not, not good it's enough. It's not acceptable, is it? <laughs> What's really interesting is is the way they've changed things and done things at Pompey because it's all owned by the fans now, isn't it? Well, it was, and then it was. So, right. so, so we obviously had a, a string of dodgy owners, to say the least. I won't go into it because there's just too many of them to name. Uh, one, one didn't even set foot in this country. Was a, an Arab guy called Ali Al. Farage, so everyone started calling him Ali Al Mirage because he didn't <laughs> exist. Um, and then eventually the the supporters um, raised enough money to to buy the club. And that's uh, a lot of money, though, isn't it? I mean, like I took a fiver in, in, but it's, it, well, not if you're in a, administration. Not if you're in administration. It was a thousand pounds a share, and about two and a half to three and a half thousand Pompey fans all stumped up a grand, and that raised about three and a half million quid, roughly, along with sort of money from councils and other places. Yeah. And we eventually managed to to buy the club, and under supporter ownership, it was sort of owned by businessmen, and they were Pompey fans, even though they were businessmen and had that had their own businesses to look after. They didn't really know what they were doing at a football club. And it's like, well, how do you run a football club? Mm. You always sort of sit there and, and sort of give the owner's stick when you don't like what's going on. But if you went in there and did that job, would you, would you know what you were doing? Probably not. So they kind of learned the hard way and it, it was a bit of a slog down there in League Two. And eventually we managed to get ourselves promoted to League One. And then uh, Michael Eisner, who used to be the CEO of Disney, came in and decided he wanted to buy the club, which was... Which a was fairy great. tale, literally. Yeah. The hardest thing was deciding whether to give it away to him or not. Because after after all we've had with dodgy owners over the past, it's like you finally got back what you've been fighting so hard to get, and then trying to give it away again. That was the that was the real. And did the shareholders, thing. the fan that 
fans that stumped up that thousand pounds did they get that money back they did get that money well they had the decision whether to put the money towards charity so Pompey and the community which is a sort of side arm of the football club have their own charity they could have taken the money back if they wanted to but the vast majority of those shareholders donated their £1,000 to either the Pompey History Society which is just like a just like a, as, it, as it, the name suggests they managed to stump up enough cash from those shares to, to buy a replica um, Division 1 trophy which we didn't have in our trophy cabinet, even though we won it twice in 49 and 50. Didn't have the trophy. So, yeah, the fans had Is that had because they sold it off to just... Oh, <laughs> honestly, honestly, man, I walked past Fratton Park and saw chairs outside of the front door from the boardroom stacked up in a pile almost like it was a bonfire because they were that desperate to make money wow. they needed to sell the chairs in the boardroom so it got that bad uh, interesting obviously united aren't in administration but from what you were saying yeah it to, keeps going well yeah but you the way you were chatting to matt who we just had on a few minutes ago like so if you had the option to buy in and buy united as a fan shareholder i think you'd be up for that wouldn't you yeah although how, how many, you'd how have you, to be many, like a tenorous <laughs> yeah. yeah i couldn't put the so, hands on yeah, a grand at a, a tenorous share how much would we i mean what would united sell for at the minute a couple of hundred million billion surely oh, billions yeah i mean it's it, it's still you said real madrid were the richest club in the world but are you float united and see see how many people would want shares of that the bewilderment so this is interesting to change topic slightly uh, Niall pointed this out to me because i've had a few city fans this week have been saying oh we're looking for united to do us a favor beating Liverpool, and then the derby's been moved to the end of the season mm -hmm. so you know we'll we're going to be right up there we're only four points behind liverpool currently um now pointed out the fixtures coming up so City play on the 24th of February, Chelsea in the League Cup final at half past four. Uh, before that, on the very same day, United play Liverpool at 2.05. So if you're a City fan, you're probably sort of counting your chickens going, actually, United are playing well. We could go into the, car, um, into the League Cup final uh, with a game in hand on Liverpool, still the four points. And it doesn't work out like that, does it, Niall? No, to be fair, they could go into Wembley four points behind and come out of Wembley with a trophy in their hands, or yeah. they could be seven points behind and have lost the final. Yeah. So, like, can you imagine the momentum shift there? That's uh, the part. Uh, but the game's coming up for City, so you've got Newcastle on Tuesday. Yeah. So you'd think they'll win that yeah. easily. Then you've got Arsenal at home. Who knows what Arsenal are going to turn up? They can be really good going yeah, forward. Yeah. Uh, then you've got Chelsea at home the week after. Then Schalke in the and game. then Schalke and then you've got and then the next games of Chelsea Liverpool's games in comparison West Ham Leicester Bournemouth until they play Bayern Munich and then United so I mean Chelsea Arsenal for City it's not a foregone conclusion hey guys, guys stop stressing out just be present in the moment just, a bit of mindfulness I just that like, going's good now have a good day just the good go. thing about City though is they've got players like De Bruyne who's coming back to form now how good was he against Burnley he was, oh, awesome. was immense didn't but watch he, it don't care he's well but he's coming back to form against and and, th and those are the games coming up whereas Liverpool have got players coming back as well they've got injuries at the, at the back so, yeah fallback problems haven't they so you know I know they're they're not the most difficult teams in Liverpool's fixture list um, but you know if they can get some players back fit again also, they should be able to deal with it Liverpool are pretty much 100% focused on the league they went out the FA Cup yeah. if that Munich game if he doesn't give the first leg of that doesn't go in their favour you can almost see him just sending a world of reserves out. I think they want the league so much yeah. they'd pay any price to get it but maybe a little bit too much pressure somebody who doesn't seem to have any pressure on their shoulders at the minute 
is Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. He's not just breaking records, he's setting his own now. Won his first eight games as the boss of Manchester United. So I thought, little quiz as I've got you both here. Here's a couple of questions about football managers. I've kept it in the Premier League for you as well. All right. So, um, Pep Guardiola is one of only a handful of managers to win a domestic double in three different countries. But which former manager of a Manchester club was the first person to do that? First person to what? Win a double in three different countries. And he managed a Manchester club. Ericsson. It was Ericsson. Incredibly as well. He won it in Sweden in 81-82 with uh, uh, Gothenburg. Yeah. And then the next season with Benfica as well. Wow. That's that's super impressive. All right. Uh, another question about Sven. Who's managed more international games? Sven, Roy Hodgson or Sir Alf Ramsey? All... <laughs> Former England managers. I'm going to say Roy Hodgson because I think he managed some random teams like, I think he managed Azerbaijan or somebody, as a, yeah. Do you mean internationals, not teams, because... National sides. Uh, not just England. Not just England. Yeah, I think Roy. I'm going with Roy because he's, he's managed a couple of uh, strange, strange nations, let's just say that. Yeah. Field nation. I'm going to go with Ericsson again, purely because he was such a adept person at making money I can see him of money's like you know All Japan right. and so, so Alf Ramsey 113 games Roy Hodgson 128 games and current manager of the Philippines Sven Goran only 85 what really he's still going so it could it could go further alright uh, which uh, manager current Premier League manager has been sacked the most times by as a professional manager. Oh, I, want, I really want to say Big Sam, but he's he's currently managing now in the Premier League. Or has he just been sacked uh, like a couple of weeks ago? Uh, let's just say he's managed in the Premier League in the last 12 months. Okay, I'm going to go for Husey. Oh. Yeah, probably Mark not. Hughes. He's already got sacked from two clubs, Stoke and uh, them lot, that I won't say. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, okay. If you go Hughes, I'll go Big Sam, just because the gravy train. Uh, Big Sam has been sacked seven times, but he's not the most. The man currently managing in the Premier League and has been sacked nine times as a manager is Claudio Ranieri. Wow, <laughs> yeah. that's surprising. Uh, that's all we've got time for. We'll do some more of these on the podcast. If you want to listen to that, check out the Manchester Football Social. But Alex, Niall, thanks very much. I've been Ant and uh, Jim and the boys are back at the same time tomorrow. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. So that was the episode on air because it's a podcast. We don't have the same time restrictions, so we can hang around a little bit longer. And we're going to play a few more questions on the game. Alex has given up and gone because <laughs> you were beating him, I think. Well, I think... I, I, no, we both got that last one wrong. Yeah. It was uh, Ranieri, wasn't it? So, it yeah, was. I think I'll take that win by default. <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll put you through to the final and ask you a few more questions. Okay. All right. So, um, okay. Which club in the Manchester area has had the same manager three times? I know exactly who that is. Oh, oh maybe do I? Do I, though? The same manager three yeah, times. Yeah, so they, they've hired him, fired him, hired him, fired him, and hired him back again. Oh, I was going to say Oldham and John Sheridan, but I think he only managed there twice. Mm -hmm. Unless uh, I'm okay. on the right track. <laughs> and he's currently managing them right now. He's currently managing them right now. Yeah. In the greater Manchester area. Yeah. Cool. I know. I can't remember the, the name of the, the 
fella's name who manages Stockport, but I know he's been there a few times. Oh, no, I can't. It's gone. Brain's gone. I feel like I'm taking too long to make a decision. But I want to say the guy who's at Stockport now has been there ages. and he's been As, ma- as chief football journalist at our radio station, surely you should know <laughs> Jim Gannon's name. Jim Gannon. There we go. It is It is Jim Gannon. Is it? Yeah. Yes. I, I work at half a point here. That, 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 that's pretty good. Um, although um, here's somebody that sort of gives him a run for his money. Um, there's a chap called Shanko Svet- Svetlanov. Um, Bulgarian <laughs> and he was managing FC Etat 1924 Vyko Tarnovo to give it the full name wow right and uh, he guided them to promotion he got sacked in August a fan protest got him reinstated he was then fired again in September and then once again another fan protest got him reinstated uh, in the October uh, he made a load of statements against the owner and that was kind of the final nail in the coffin. They really don't so like him. He, okay. he got fired three times <laughs> in from one club in one season. That's unbelievable. It's the impressive. fans must have loved him and then obviously the owners must have hated him to fire him that many times know, in one imp- season. Impressive. All right, a uh, couple more questions for you on this one. All right, uh, who, nice is one. Uh, who has managed the most clubs in the Premier League since its inception? Oh, gosh. Yeah, I think Mark Hughes is the answer to that one. I think Blackburn, Manchester City, Southampton, Stoke. Um, I can't think of the others. Can't think of the others. So that's only five. Maybe there's a seven. Redknapp's managed a few. Mm-hmm. Um, Bournemouth weren't in the Premier League at the time, but they are now. So maybe Bournemouth, West Ham, Portsmouth, Tottenham, QPR. I'll go, let's go Harry Redknapp. Why not? No. Oh. It's Big Sam. Is it Big Sam? Yeah. Uh, I went for Big Sam for the most sackings, but yeah. Big Sam. No, but Big Sam came close because uh, Big Sam has managed uh, Bolton, Newcastle, Blackburn, West Ham, Sunderland, Crystal Palace, and Everton. Only one of those he didn't get sacked from, but he was sacked by West Brom way back. Uh, and then, of course, he was sacked by England as well. So that's only eight sackings in total in his career. But there we go. Um, <laughs> oh, and the final question for you now on this game. Which manager, which professional football manager has lost the most games in the Premier League? Now think about this. Has lost the most has games. Has lost the most games in the Premier League. So we're not talking about like Frank De Boer because he only had four games in the in the Premier League. Yeah, 100% lost record. Yeah, 100% lost yeah, record. Yeah, sure. beaten. But who's lost the most? So for example, it could be Alex Ferguson. Or Arsene Wenger. Yeah, who, because they've managed the most games. Exactly. So Arsene Wenger did, did the 22 years of the Premier League. Let's go with, do you know what? I'm going to go with David Moyes because he was at Everton for ages and they were moderately successful. Yeah. Then he was at United and they were, mm, if you can class it, as moderately successful, not for United, obviously, but by David Moyes. Uh, do you know what? I'm going to go with David Moyes cause, just because he was there for so long. And you're wrong. Yeah. Oh. Uh, but... It, the correct answer is somebody you have mentioned in the last two minutes. In the last two minutes? Mm. Of course, you probably Hughes. 224 games they've lost. Hughes, Redknapp, oh, it could be any of those lot. Pardew, Pulis, gravy train managers. The ones who just keep getting on the gravy train and keep getting jobs and keep scooping up the cash. Oh, um, let's go Hughes then. No, you've really got it in for him, haven't you? <laughs> I don't uh, like he managed if you manage the team in red and white stripes you're not going to be a fan I'm not going to be a fan of you. <laughs> uh uh one of your former managers who also did the same thing as well. Redknapp. Harry Redknapp. Was Redknapp. Yeah, wow. a total of 224 games lost in the Premier wow, League. More than any other more manager. More than any other manager. And it's funny because he's quite regarded as one of the best British managers of the last 10-15 years. Exactly. But the only thing he ever won was the FA Cup with Pompey. 
And where are they now? Exactly. <laughs> uh, Niall, thanks very much for joining us today. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this extra bit of the podcast. And remember, the specific ones for Manchester City and Manchester United, all you've got to do is look in your podcast app for Manchester City Football Social or Manchester United Football Social. I've been Anne, and I'll be back next week with Alex. Thanks. <laughs>